We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. And today we're talking about Fear the Walking Dead's third episode of season seven, titled Cindy Hawkins. I'm here with Cosmo Mom Zero Nine Rachel Burt and Sherry AK Blazy Gardner. And I'm your host, Dave Cameo. I am I live in this box, as Rachel always Yay! says. I can't I changed right. my clothes by live in this box. That's that's my tagline. Yep. I changed my clothes by Evelyn the, brings you clothes and, to the and box. Sometimes and I shave. Change right there. And sometimes I shave. <laughs> all inside your box yeah yeah exactly that's you see this the aiden says there is your new insta bio it should be my insta <laughs> handle i live in a box <laughs> and in on a box. your screen but i feel like that's cliche my Dave in a box <laughs> definitely don't give that to your girlfriend <laughs> or your mom i think Whatever. what was it anyway anyway my husband would enjoy it I, yeah, yeah, he would. All right, he all right. Would. Think about it he for would. next Valentine's Day. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I have something very special for you. And then he'd be like, I'm confused, but pleased. <laughs> and yeah. That's, yep. And that's what my, my my wife said when I asked her to marry me. She was, though. It's the truth. That's the truth. She's like, what is happening? <laughs> First, you were building me a, a dresser to to say, welcome to my apartment. And then the next thing, I open a drawer and there's a wedding ring. That's literally how I proposed. Aww. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, you're going to move in with me, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's some gifts for you when you move in. And then the first drawer had like a bathrobe. The second drawer had chocolates. The third drawer had something. <laughs> Don't, I don't remember. Oh, was it, was it chocolate? I said chocolates already, right? Yeah. Well, the, the yeah. fourth drawer, there's the topmost drawer, had the wedding ring. But it was behind a picture frame. Aww. And so she, and it was, it's a, in the interior of the drawer is black. And the box where the ring is was black. And so the ring was propping up the picture frame in the drawer. And so she took out the, oh, this is a nice picture frame, closes the drawer. And I'm like, <laughs> it's late. She's tired. I'm like, I, I yank the, the ring out of the thing and drop it in her hands like, there you go. And then she's like, what? I'm Carol at the what? kingdom for the first time. <laughs> Aw, yeah. that's really sweet, and though. And then she started that's really bursting sweet. crying because she was just, I just, yeah. it just shocked the shit out of her because I did it in such a dumb Aww. way. I was like, literally, that's how I did it. I said, you missed the ring. <laughs> you missed something, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and the next second, she's calling her parents. <laughs> The first thing I actually wanted to talk about was something that I just randomly brought up last week when we were talking about Fear the Walking Dead, because I, obviously I finished editing the episode last night, so it's ready to air tom tomorrow, Wednesday evening. I mentioned on the last show that there was something odd I always thought about June after a while, and that's that she's OP, that she is like pretty much a master of her own emotions and destiny, and like she can seem seemingly get through anything. And then it's funny how you get to this episode that we're about to cover now and how it's not the case. And it's just weird, right? We finally get to this thing. Like, I, I didn't see the episode. I hadn't seen the episode. And I'm like, this is kind of cool that it answers my question or, or addresses a somewhat feeling that I had in the back of my skull about like, is she just like unbeatable and unflawed? And yeah, she's flawed. She's, she's flawed. And that's, look, understandably, obviously, everything she does in this episode is, you know, what we would do in her, in her shoes. And I think that's authentic. And I, I really, I really, really appreciated the decision for her to be this way in this episode. It makes sense. 
it was uncomfortable <laughs> to watch when you finally realized it. And then now you watch the whole episode again with the whole with a new context when you're actually trying to get notes. I want to say, you know, it's nice to see June, uh, you know, have more of a flawed human side. Right. I mean, however, the, like it was just for me, it was kind of it was especially sad and heartbreaking how it came out like the, or the realization. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And and how senior had to like shake like well talk about shaking but he had to shake her to kind of get it out of her like like something is wrong i know something is wrong and it's not just trying to get to the bottom of this one last mystery but it's it's bigger than that it's like it's like john knows he's being lied to or something is just inauthentic well that detective still exists in the back of his skull and the thing is june isn't okay like at the end of of season six it was almost like she was okay she forgave dakota everything was all right she was strong she was gonna be just fine john's death you know she she wasn't over it but she was just gonna be okay but she's not she's not okay at all and Her, her grieving has only started right and she's not going to start grieving as long as she's in a place where she feels comfortable she's in a tiny little space with a walking talking breathing reminder of john he says Who has the, the same, same exact name. He says the same lines. He says the same phrases that John did. The whole beginning mm-hmm. was a almost a mirror of the opening of Laura. Pouring the coffee, putting the grounds in, playing Scrabble. You know, or even even the shot of John Senior waking up is the same as as John Junior waking up at the beginning of Laura. And yeah, somewhat right, right. She's, she's stuck in a loop with John. It's just not the John she wants to have there. But as long as she's there with him, she's comfortable and she's safe. She doesn't have to proceed with grieving for John. Right, and talk about like addictions, right? We the on the surface part of this you know, discomfort is, is the knowledge that John Dory Sr. is, is having alcohol withdrawal symptoms, right? But then you realize, oh, he's not the only one that it's addicted to a substance or a concept, let's say. And yeah, I mean, and you look around the bunker too, the kind of layout, and it's, well, especially the curtain that's there, which is kind of emblematic of John and June's, John Jr.'s and June's relationship. But kind of the place is kind of arranged much in the way the cabin was, in a sense. Various accoutrement and knick-knack paddywhacks and board games and things that like would remind you of being in the cabin and it's like funny how we were saying in the last in the last season how like you know as the season comes to a close and the eulogy in front of the grave and saying goodbye to the cabin for the last time and we were even mentioning nuclear fallout uh, in the last Fear the Walking Dead episode and how it reaches Georgia and and how, oh, it's it feels like our TWD universe is disappearing by way of radiation and how nostalgia and, and all that. But then, but then, you know, nuclear fallout has probably reached John's cabin too. So there's that. You know, all the things, all the settings that we fell in love with are also ripped away from us in a sense. So uh, so that's that's gone too. Uh, so I can see why June would want to keep... Oh, well, okay. And it goes along the same lines of what is uh, In Dreams all about? What is the song In Dreams about? It's like I close my eyes, I'm in this dream, and I hold you in this dream. And I, I can visit you again. I can be with you again. So it's like this weird reverse role of like... June is having this in real life. This, oh, I have this little moment in time with my man. Or, well, you know, what represents my man? But it's nice. It's comfortable. It's I could live a life like this for a little while, at least. And you know, what's the harm in it, right? <laughs> and you were talking about the layout of the way it looks like the cabin. There's one shot where they're eating breakfast. And it's, it's like a mirror of the shot where John and June are eating in Laura, the fish they caught together. 
and behind them, instead of the windows behind them, it's a blank wall, you know, mm. and they're, they're switched opposite sides. June is on, they're, they're reversed. Uh, John and June are switched sides. So many mirror parallels to the opener of Laura, which I've already made a meme with all of them. So oh, I, I get to, so it's funny because I think I saw you say that you, tw- I think you tweeted it out or something like that, that you're going to share all of them after the, after this episode. Aiden was saying how Keith and Jenna were phenomenal. Uh, they have been forced to reflect on their mistakes and losses. They have not had that chance before. Well, she hasn't. Hey, he has to an extent, but he never confronted it, which is to say, uh, as I was wrapping up on my notes, I noticed something about so far how this is going. And that's uh, in episode two, we have this interesting confrontation with not well confrontation but also like back and forth between morgan and grace and how it felt like in season five grace was trying to pull morgan out of his the depths of finally the you know, pull him out of his, of his the depths of his misery and like his, the essence of his character for the last ever since the show started and you could feel that start to happen and and as soon as morgan started to feel felt started to feel happy he would kind of pull away but still you feel like it was happening it, you still saw movement there and then you get to this season, and it's, it's as though Morgan, having had this experience, Morgan having been through this, is now able, uh, he's been through it longer, and so he's able to pull Grace out of it. You see a similar thing going on here with John Sr. and, and June. It, it was that June was pulling John Sr. out of this in season six, like finally get, getting him to stop thinking past, like, it's too late, you know, like, oh, because the moment that he leaves his son, John Jr., in the past, in spite of his saying, he must have been saying to himself for the last 40 years, it's too late, I can't, I can't go back, it's too late, I can't go back. And then June convinces him, finally, because this is an echo of this the man he never got to see before he died, the, the son. And he just keeps reminding himself, and it's a, it's a positive addiction that he has to this idea of it's not, it's not too late, it's never too late. Who, look who I'm here with. In a nuclear holocaust, the, the woman my son chose to marry, now I have a daughter, a found family in, in a sense, but also a real family. And so I, I, I see now that John, in this episode, he literally does this, what Morgan does to, for Grace in the last episode, more or less. He pulls her out, he shakes her out of this. He's like, I, I know what's wrong. It's, it wasn't Cindy Hawkins. Well, it was, <laughs> but it wasn't Cindy Hawkins. It was you. This, all of this looked fishy. And like in second watch, one of the things I had noticed and I almost died laughing, was the pamphlet that she used as a basis of her knowledge, the, of the, her nuclear knowledge. It was the whole duck and cover mm-hmm. shit in schools. <laughs> like, I didn't, but did you notice it on first? I was like, I didn't really pay any attention to it on first watch because I'm not pausing and scribbling and pausing and scribbling. I'm not really scribbling, I'm typing. But I didn't notice it. And then the second watch, I'm like, oh my God, how did I freaking miss this shit? <laughs> the guy's the duck and cover on his head. <laughs> And I wonder who they're going to do this at, who else they're going to be doing this for. Oh, like, so, okay, let's do an easy one. Dwight and <laughs> Sherry. Dwight been trying to take Sherry out of this funk for the longest time in season six. And Sherry's like, nah, fuck you, I gotta kill Negan. What if the roles start getting reversed? What if Sherry starts, you know, after having her quest for so long to, 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 to find, to destroy Negan, maybe Dwight has his own thing. Maybe he's dealing with his own conflict. Then Sherry has to rescue his ass from his, his depths of his turmoil. Aiden says, kill horses. Horse Negan. <laughs> Horse Negan. So I'm curious to see where this goes, because it's just a continuation of season six, in a sense. Like, people becoming their super strandish, their super whatever version of themselves. Aiden is saying... Oh, okay. Something just warmed my heart when he said, my daughter-in-law, on the radio, I think he means. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it was powerful. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and he says, I can't wait for Daniel to see Strand this season. I... 
I would rather not TBH. Like part of me is just like, okay, first of all, we're doing this again. <laughs> like, okay, it's like third time's a charm. And it would be apt if Daniel was the one killing Victor. I was going to say Negan. That was yeah. weird in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, Sherry, little parallel. Uh, who says but, Strand uh, is going to be killed? This, this time Daniel shoots Strand in the face. Doesn't kill him. <laughs> shoots him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you watch all, go through all the shows, that's what everybody does for for somebody at some point. You know, there everybody's always dragging somebody up from not wanting to live. Or, uh, Andrea, how many times did Andrea want to die and they managed to bring her out? Beth, I've been watching the early seasons on the Walking Dead channel, so, but uh, I mean, instead of binging them <laughs> all at once, you know. So I mean, that's kind of a theme throughout all of the shows is people helping other people mm-hmm. up out of depression or you know whatever whatever is dragging them down. Help them figure out which way is up. Ah, 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 ah. I was thinking that in my head too as you were saying that. It's like, that's uh, funny. Uh, all the isms, all the Johnisms. That's, that's another thing. Oh, that's another all thing. All the Johnisms just they, just, they just hurt every time. I like, my gut, my stomach just went every yeah. time. Every time. Like 20 times. I'm like, state of the state. Another one. Ugh, another one. State of the state was the one mm. that got me. I got, I've got to admit, admit something to you guys. I'm going to say this out front. It could have been because of how crazy I've been, how we probably all have been, but more or less me, I'm, you know, I'm in the box. Remember, I'm in the box and I'm doing the things and <laughs> cutting the, the tape and the film. And the, but I, 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 after watching the episode last night, uh, this is like four in the morning, I think, or something. And I finished it and I was like, I don't know if I like this episode. <laughs> There, there's a lot of ingredients in this stew, like uh, that forms this initial impression, the general discomfort, the claustrophobia, the, the quest that isn't a quest also, like how, yeah. how the visions aren't really helpful <laughs> to, not really to, to John, or they're actually quite harmful in some senses, in many senses. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take, a, let's take a pit stop from my ire fest and uh, head to something else that I had not prophesized, but I'd, pos- I'd, I'd proffered at the end of the season or at some point between the seasons, I'd said something to the effect of, imagine that, you know, we go to this thing where John, where John and June have to leave the bunker and they see a Walker Dakota roaming around and lo and behold, <laughs> not roaming around, mm-hmm. pretty much fused to the ground. Where I thought it would be like a... <laughs> It was good, <laughs> but where where it was I so good. but where I thought it was it was it would be like a more gimmicky kind of thing, and it sort of was. I thought it was kind of cool the way they did it though, because if you think about it, like Dakota is like the twenty fourth victim that uh, of Teddy's, mm. you know, when you when you really think about it, and John frames it this way, and he's like another another girl I couldn't save. She made her choice. Oh, she, she also saved them again. Because she saved the first time, they're following her as how they found the bunker in the first place, and her having the knife there ended mm-hmm. up saving them again. So, no, nah, I, I, I know I put that on I my still, notes too. I still hate Dakota you, saves Dakota, them again, but <laughs> you saved them again. So, thank you. Yep. Still yeah, glad you're dead. Yeah. Thanks for having that that damn that damn bone handle mm-hmm. knife. Well, as soon as and, I uh, saw that, I was knife. like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so you have air conditioning in hell. <laughs> That works two out of seven days. 
It like it hurt extra watching Senior handle that knife too, knowing that this this fucking thing, like this was the thing. But it felt right. That started it did, all. Did that did that feel right that <sighs> he he was the one to do it, or if something felt like weirdly it connected. It brought things well, like the Ouroboros. The end is the beginning. It kind of brought yeah. things full circle. I just felt. I just felt bad, like I like, cause I'm watching him hold this knife, and like I know the history of this knife, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> doesn't he though? The bone handle knife I and all that stuff. Maybe, he, maybe he doesn't. I mean, How would he know? Maybe June told told him at some point, but does does she know in particular about the knife? She might not yeah. even know about the knife. Yeah, that all happened before he wrote the letter yeah. to her. Even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, even the letter was she read the uh, oh well that was the episode she found John Dory. Wow, how funny is that? John Dory Senior was the one where she finally was mm-hmm. reading, or she read the letter at his grave mm-hmm. or burial. Yeah. There's another victim of Teddy's in a sense, though, that we find out later. Not Cindy Hawkins. Another one uh, besides the 24th victim being Dakota, and that's actually June herself, the 25th victim. Honestly, of Teddy's, it's kind of like a an addendum to our conversation about OP June, right? In a world where this woman had found a way to embrace the philosophy before she even knew it, the idea of it's never, it's not too late, it's never too late, by way of her daughter, Rose. So she was the living embodiment of this idea. So watching that and then watching that get murdered and having her being trapped in essentially six feet under in a coffin of her own making, that was Teddy victimizing june in a sense you know without direct not directly but maybe that spurned you know in the back of john dory senior's mind that something is wrong something is wrong here yeah i mean there's there's another mystery that needs solving and it's not as simple as cindy hawkins the the obvious one and it's really it's like june what did you do to my daughter-in-law what did you do what she is suffering here i don't know it it got me thinking about like about like teddy teddy made victims out of everybody where at one point, like this is what I was mentioning. Another thing that I mentioned the other day, the other the other episode was, you know, what would what would all these people that we knew, like Sarah, uh, Wendell, and and June and John and uh, John Senior, I mean, what would they do when they go to Victor's place? You know, how would they act? Would they be like Will, desperate and hungry and and willing to humiliate themselves for food, or would they be who they are? And and well, we do get to get to see a little bit of that, and and they are they are they kind of stand tall and they they're confident. They're not desperate. They're not. They're happy to be there, but they're not like Will, like squirrely and, and weird. So I, I'm happy. I was happy to see that they're still extra, you know. Like, but <laughs> but then you see when you see June in this episode, not like that, you know. She's like, I don't know. <laughs> that shook me a little bit. You know what it is? I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to like squeeze the pimple that was my initial impression. Like I, I was so uncomfortable throughout this episode. I there's a bit of claustrophobia that they made you feel not only oh, in the fucking very bunker. Claustrophobic. Well, inside, in the mask, yeah, in the masks. Oh, because showing it from well, his view and looking in on him too, and it was yeah. just like you could just mm-hmm. see the fog every time he would breathe. You could see the fog, and it was just everything was so close. Like you're seeing yeah. through pinholes. Yeah, <laughs> the colors outside, how everything was just gray and. It looked almost like a snowscape, almost like a really like dirty snowscape. Like it, it was very, it was just really, it was also claustrophobic with all the so stuff. So winter falling, in Michigan, the, you know, the, with all everything falling around and all the <laughs> fog and everything, it was it was very claustrophobic even outside. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, everything felt like closed in, and and walkers could pop in at any moment in your closed space or what feels like you can only see ten feet in front of you when. There's fallout everywhere. And yeah, when he emerges from the bunker, there's like ash raining down mm-hmm. still 
from from up above, like weird weather. I was kind of struck by the irony of of June, who in trying to keep Senior from running from his problems, which is what she always did, she was too broken to even try to run herself. Like she was just perfectly content to stay down there forever and never, never, never deal with it. But in season seven, she just can't. Yeah, she's just lost the ability to almost make a choice, like kind of like an addiction. I feel like she's doing her own version of running away too. Like she knows she can't physically run away. So instead she's, she's creating this, this loop that she just lives in to avoid what she should deal with. You know, the first thing that made me feel really weird and uncomfortable, and obviously you get the bigger picture later on at the end, but by then it's like already too late for me. But, but then I, I like this episode. I like it for not liking it in a weird way, right? <laughs> There's some things that I still felt were like, Ugh. and but you know, it's maybe par for the course and maybe it makes it authentic that this is just the way things are, you know, the fallout and all that stuff. And But one of the things that felt off to me and was the first thing I noticed was when John has this new thing from apart from the everyday, which is discovering this room of horrors of Teddy's, I thought it was kind of like a good idea. I thought, you know, let me keep my mind occupied. I can take inventory of this room. There's a mystery that still needs solving. I could look through all the things. I could find out maybe, I, hey, maybe that's one thing I could tick off my corner. I wasn't expecting to have to solve this, but maybe this could be something cool to look forward to every day. And now that you've watched the, the entire episode, you do get why June is like, no, let's seal it off and never think about it again. And I was like, what do you care? I was thinking about like, what? And maybe you can correct me. At the, Please intervene and be me. But the way I usually am, I was like, no, Dave, but here's the thing. But no, but like, I was thinking, why wouldn't it be great to see him occupy well, his time and all that stuff? I, I feel like having seen where John Jr. would go when presented with a problem that he couldn't solve, that John Sr. would go the same route and go down a deep, dark hole. And she couldn't bring John Jr. out of it. And what if she couldn't bring John Sr. out of it? And introducing Ooh, that kind that's of... a good one. Um, you know, introducing, in, uh, as we see, that's where he went. Even though part of it was, was the alcohol, he was going down that route anyway. He was going to go dark and disturbed anyway, even without the alcohol. The alcohol just intensified it. So I can see why she would have been like, um, let's just forget about this. Because what do you do with a John that was like John in 608? And you're trapped in this bunker and you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. John in 608. Wait, tell me, John in 608, what's what's that John? Oh, oh, in the door? Yeah. Gotcha, the door. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. His mental Sorry. state. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, why does it sound familiar? <laughs> anyway, so. Um, the episode that the shall episode. not be named. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. I, I, I agree with you, but only in as much as you putting yourself in June's headspace, right? Because what we see of John Sr. is that he's, in in many senses, he resembles John Jr. That is very true. Mannerisms, is, ismisms, Doryisms, and all that. But then there's, a, there's one thing that Sr. does differently than Jr. Jr., he couldn't handle the world as it was, in my opinion. I felt like he personified, let's fake it until we make it. We can make the world what we envision it to be, in, in a sense. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Whereas Senior sees the world, the, the world, how dark it is. And, and he deals with that. No, and he, he, and he not only does alcohol. that, he, <clears throat> he dealt with it well, with alcohol. Yeah. And when he didn't have the alcohol, he couldn't deal with it anymore. I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced of that. But, but as it is, like, I'm just noticing the, the, the few differences between John and, sorry, Senior and Junior. 
in, in, in a sense that like, what we see of John is that he will not go dark in the sense of being bad, bad. He'll be, <laughs> he does this thing where he just goes into this hole and he can, and he, it's hard for him to get out, meaning this depression hole. Whereas Senior just kind of goes through. Like he, he goes, I have to solve this problem. You know, it may take me to a dark place, but, it, but there's a stoicism in that. There's a challenge in that. He feels like he has to repress all these feelings to solve the truth, to, to unearth the truth at all costs too. But John Jr. has a little bit of that in him, but when he sees the darkness, there's a part of him that just drops out. You know, it doesn't, doesn't fight through it. It just, it starts to fail him, you know? And maybe he re- lashes out kind of like he does at Victor in uh, The Key, you know, near the end when he uh, indicts Janice in his place. You know, it's like, she's a goner anyway, you know? We need you. You need to still be around. You're my, you're my friend. <sighs> but yeah, I, I do oh, see that difference. Right. But you know, but the only thing that I'll say is that I like what you said because it makes sense from June's point of view. Because she is pretending that she's living a life with John Jr. in a sense, or this comfortable life with her father-in-law at the very least. Mm-hmm. Like a shadow replacement. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a, like a dark... Like a substitute. Yeah, that, a substitute, yeah. yeah. A substitute. Yeah, of course, when it comes to like, oh, but that's what... John Jr. was like, so of course seniors like that. Like if, when he sees something that he, he, when he sees a situation where it might, he might go through it down this rabbit hole, I might not be able to get him out of it. Oh, and I don't want to have to. No, John, you better just seal that up, John. I, I don't want to see you go through this hole that I have to pull you out of. Because I see him, I see, and you're right, I see her treating him much like she would treat John Jr. And I don't, I think that was the wrong approach. When I saw that scene, I was just kind of like, well, why was are you also going treating to upset us? her delicate balance that she had in there introducing this new nightmare of a room into their (laughs) delicate life that they have right now was terrifying especially in in the state that she was in it was scary to to bring in this new thing to upset their apple cart. yeah well after the fact but even before yeah so that's the thing like now that we know what we know of course it makes sense but at the time like i'm trying to like bring back my first impression of first watch is like why 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 it's a new thing it's not the game of life where you keep kicking his ass all over again (laughs) day after day for 70 days you kick his ass in the game of and the, and the irony being that really she's not doing well at the game of life, personally speaking. It's like small uh, consolations, right? But to your point, though, I, I liked I liked what you said just now also because, yeah, you're right. Okay, life in the bunker could be very unstable or de- fragile or delicate, right? On its face. Like, we, we have to live with each other. Well, I mean, it is, <laughs> so, it is delicate because, as you can see, it's already crumbling around them. The bunker crumbling around them is a metaphor for the whole situation, just crumbling around them. They just can't do it. Kind of like the song, in a way. The moms and the papas. All the leaves are brown. I like you know? the, we have a mama and a papa in there. I, I like that. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. I couldn't even pay attention to what was happening on screen when they were playing that song. I just was like, <laughs> in my own little world, singing. Like, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I got to go back and watch that again, because I missed it all. I can't put such great songs in an episode and expect me to pay attention at the same time. Mm. Good point. Now I know how to distract you. <laughs> there were, there were yeah, play music. Also, like, um, I wanted, this is kind of a callback to Westworld because there was an episode where, where everything was a loop. They were talking about loops and there was record players and fish bowls and everything was round, the bicycle. They did that in this episode too. Everything was a loop. Oh yeah? There was the record player going around and around in a loop. There was the um, bicycle where he was riding the bicycle, the wheel going around and around and around. There was the life spinner going around and around and around. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Mm-hmm. The radio mm-hmm. dials, round, going around The end is the beginning, the Ouroboros. 
Every, there was a lot of round symbolism throughout the entire episode. God, how disturbing, too. Especially when the guy's slogan was the end of the beginning and John, John Sr. finds the notes. The same notes that the, the speech that he used in the holding, that's on the note. Yeah. I don't know if you read I, it. I wrote, I wrote it down, what I could read of it. Yeah. It wasn't, it's the same. It's, it wasn't exactly. It was a it was waste like of a, time. It wasn't exactly what he said over the PA, but it was like a like an early draft of what he ended up saying because it wasn't exactly. It's like the same. fairly close. Yeah, it, it's pretty close. It wasn't exact though, Super. but yeah, I, I took the time to stop and read that and write it down. So yeah. Oh my gosh, you poor thing! <laughs> I could see most of it, but then I realized, okay, I, I remember writing all this down twice over. Do you know what I did? Okay. In the holding for the notes for my notes for the holding, I spent three more than three hours watching that thing so that I can find out exactly what place the words went in his spiel. Do you do you know do you know how insane that is? And I said I would post it, and I never did. <laughs> so, <laughs> and now this is the thing. Now I don't have to because of this fucking note because it, it had almost basically everything there. So, um, did you notice? Just at the waited. Beginning? They did the work for you. Did you notice the beginning was a lot like the beginning of 606 where they kind of had a tracking shot through the bunker and you could hear the radio crackling in the background. I remember in 606, they showed the tracking shot through the trailer as people were calling on the oh, radio. Yeah. And the beginning of this was very much the same tracking through the bunker and you can hear the radio static as they go through. There were a lot, a lot of June callbacks throughout this episode. Like not even necessarily John and June callbacks, just June... Call, call, which as I watch a lot of June episodes, so uh, I mean I was no. picking out lots and lots of <laughs> really them. lots. It was awesome. But like I'm, I'm sure like when we when we stumble upon one, you, you get you got to hit us over the face with it. But um, but even then there was so talk about sweeping shots. Like the the holding had its own sweeping shot right in the beginning when he goes through that speech, and there is a little bit of that mm, not as claustrophobic, shot. and it's a single take shot. It's just it goes through everything, which I, I loved. It goes through the, the death rebirth through the plants and then chickens and and then the chickens lay the eggs and the eggs go into the omelet and the, it's great Who, who's hungry i am uh. <laughs> at the end of season six we had said that teddy had always planned to kill all of his followers am i correct no <laughs> all right like i don't well i remember i remember talking about well, I remember talking about the, the, the bunker and how important the bunker was. And I'm like, yeah, because they have to live down there. And then, and then, Dave, I thought you had said that, like, oh, no, no. Teddy plans on taking them all out. And I went, then what's the point of the bunker? I don't, I don't remember that. Well, why do you think I said that? Let's, maybe we can go through this. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll remember what I meant. I know we were talking about it during the episode where we saw the, the weird contortion radiated sub walker because we had said that that was one of his followers. And I, and then we were like, well, why would he, why, why would he kill them? And I don't, I, obviously I'm, I'm misremembering how this conversation went down, but, Oh, but okay. I think Teddy's people were in the bunker with Alicia. So he did plan on having them live. Yes. Right. I, I, okay. I think if you're talking about that radiated subwalker, I think I think there are some in Teddy's tribe. Take Riley for example, that would give their life for his cause. Do you do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like gladly, if it yeah, well, yeah, if it means yeah. that it comes to fruition, they would gladly lay, lay the, their lives down. The the subwalker that we mentioned that looked fresh, 
That's why I said it was definitely one of his followers because she doesn't look like all the sub other subwalkers. She looked like she was intentionally put there, and she had similar clothing, but also had kind of an Alicia-like shirts. So maybe she could have been the mother. Mm-hmm. Of one, but, mm-hmm. but that was my idea. Like, yeah. but she wasn't wearing like a sub right. uniform. No. Like she was clearly right. a, a civilian on, a, in a, on the sub. Just yeah. another bit of evidence, yeah. right? And so I was saying. Oh, he intentionally irradiated her to be a deterrent to get to the other room where they are staying, you know, and that's, that's Mm -hmm. what what I think it was. But I think maybe that's what I was trying to say, but that, and and maybe, maybe Teddy, okay, there, there's another whole side of this in there. Maybe Teddy has already pre-chosen who is to live and who is to not live too. It, but it's something that we're not privy to, you know, or we're not completely aware. No. They're, they don't wear name tags. They, they're not wearing different colored shirts, you know, <laughs> at least not that I'm aware of. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe the ones that were in the holding were black shirts, sort of, or brown <laughs> shirts, black, well, like Mussolini and Stalin and all that. But, but in the new place, they were blue shirts, right? They had bluish uniforms, right? Kind of like the sub, but not. In a sense, do you remember like in the hotel? Yeah. That's yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. like in blue uniforms. Yeah. Well, much in the way uh, both uh, June and John were wearing light blue shirts at Victor's place. Mm-hmm. Like the band in Victor's hat, the silverish blue. Right, I just thought um, that was also kind of a cool thing. What did you think? Welcome to the club. <laughs> what? Okay, so after after seniors like, oh, it's it's Victor and. He, I forget exactly what he says, but it cuts over <laughs> June, and the look on her face is like, he's like, we can't stay here. She's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very ironic, right? Yeah, I, I'm glad you picked up on that. But what is your assessment of this? Because it spares me from having to say it. <laughs> I, I think she's totally down to, to chill with Victor. Like, I mean, John Sr. may want to go, but I think June's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good right here, like. I can be of use here. And she always wants to help people. Maybe she sees that as a way to kind of come back. And she wasn't really given that opportunity with Virginia. Remember, because you, even you were saying Virginia just kind of kept her running in circles and never really let her do what she wanted to, which was help people. But I have the feeling that Victor will yeah. put her to work as a nurse, <laughs> saving people that are useful to him. Well, to so, be fair to Virginia, yeah. I, I don't think that was mostly her fault. <laughs> her fault, I think. It's just the, the way the world was, I think. Didn't really make it lend to and building up her hospital. I just, just want to say, Strand's Tower. Why would June want to go okay. back to Morgan? I'm, I'm just saying. No, I, yeah. I, but you're saying what I was saying about baby Mo also. Like, why wouldn't you want to give your baby the best mm. shot? And so, but then now we go to this episode. Okay. And where we, in both episodes two and three, this one being three, where we both saw similarities in try, one trying to pull the other out, whereas in the previous seasons, the other was trying to pull the other out. At the end of this this episode, it appears that, well, uh, John Sr. may have pulled June out of the bunker and saved their lives, but June is right back in another bunker, right? This bunker of comfort and the, you know, being comfortable in your own. And now maybe it's not going to, she's not going to make it out to look like John's cabin, but she has traded the convenience and best chance of surf, best chance at survival uh, in place of autonomy and, and, and living her life on her terms. The kind of what we said at the end of the last episode are, you know, with, with Grace, Grace is no, Morgan, sh-. it's our lives. We decide how we want to live it. We won't be beholden to Victor, et cetera, et cetera. We, th- we can handle it. You and me together, we can handle anything, right? June's like, no, I'm good. I like toilet paper. I like, <laughs> I like artifacts. I like old things, you know, kind of like John did. Hey, you know, hey, guys, can we have more wood accents in here? <laughs> can, we, can we have like a, like a coffee mug and 
Yeah. Heck yeah, Strands Tower beats the heck out of a buried bus. But does it make you feel... Yeah, that's what it looked... Right? Uh, Is that what uh, it was? Another callback, because in in 409, she and John lived in a school bus. Nicely done, you fucks. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because I was thinking it looked like a bus, but I'm like, come on, David. It's not a bus. What are you, dumb? Rachel and I had a... Sharon, didn't you find... That's a real thing. That's real. What, what elaborate? Didn't you look that up, Sharonie? <laughs> that bunkers were made out of buses or bus. Uh, uh, what are they called? Fuselage. Yes. That wasn't me or something. That wasn't me. Uh-uh. That wasn't you. That was your. Uh, Did I dream was, this? Please. Okay. Now I want to know everything. I want to um, know everything you're thinking right now. <laughs> I want I some spooky swear, beta Sharon shit from and you. I had. I, I swear, Sharonie and I had a conversation about how in Texas there are buried school I... buses. That they use as bunkers. I, Shut <laughs> up! I, you no, didn't. I, did not say that. I swear you no, told me this. Me. But were you, see, hold on. Were you thinking this? Because if she's <laughs> thinking, if she's reading your mind, no, that's some shit right there. That's some shit right there. Whoa! Wait, Aiden saying, "Rach, are you high?" <laughs> Dave and I have trouble with vehicles. Be, <laughs> it might have been. It might have been in group at some point, but there's no Ooh. way we're gonna scroll back that far to find out. So. Mm-mm. Delete the group. Set it on fire. <laughs> oh my gosh! Now I want to know why this is in my head. I I like. No, I, what, I swear, we, what we wow. talked about was we couldn't figure out how John Senior had gotten out of the bunker without those people seeing mm-hmm. him. And I was like, it's because that thing that June kept replacing with a filter was actually the hole that's at the top of a bus. Like, so if you have a bus crash, they could climb uh-huh. out. So they were trying to get in that and. Uh, senior came out of the actual hatch and was like walking away and then he turned around and saw them trying to dig out the hole in, in the roof so they could get in but then he right. shot at them and everybody scattered huh. but the that's when the door was the hatch was left unlocked and that guy ran and got in the hatch that makes me wonder how these how did these stalkers know exactly where that buried hatch was well because it's, that, a, it's, a, that's it's not a something ventilation you would see. that's what they were using for ventilation so there had oh, to be some word. kind of hole or something there because that's what she was putting yeah, the filter for word. was to filter the air that was coming in. It's a scrubber. Yeah. There's a, there has to be somewhere uh, for the okay, air to get okay, out. Okay, so okay, they, okay. Could, they could see okay. the So they were attacking so, it from gotcha, that vector. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rather than I was trying think, to find okay, the I was, think, I was thinking maybe these stalkers knew about what was buried there. And so that's no, how they, they knew they, how they to think. But that makes more sense that they saw it. They saw the ventilation hole. Well, they did know what they were dealing with because... John Sr. said so. You know, we're in a bunker uh, a couple clicks from Galveston. I know that much. So Right, but I was think I was thinking they couldn't see I was thinking they couldn't see that thing, like just from the surface. Like they couldn't see it, but like if they knew what was under there, they would know where where to dig. But you're saying that I mean obviously they could see a ventilate a hole. They could see yeah, yeah. Forget what I said. And that's probably the only thing. Forget they what could I said. See, but, <laughs> so you're not that far off. Branch Davidian Memorial Park. Buried school buses can still be seen. Haunting. So you know the Branch Davidians were, right? Yeah. They're, they're, no? They were this kind of Texas cult that kind of defied the federal government. Federal government was after them for some odd reason because they, I don't know, they had they had their own community and commerce and, and, you know, in their own commune sort of thing. And the federal government said, I don't like that very much. It goes against our Christian values. I don't know the full story. I, I should have read the documentary or they, not read, uh, there's a Netflix special called something or other. Uh, I can't remember exactly what they were, what what uh, what the cult was called. Oh, but anyway, dude was so, into pedophilia, so I mean, you know. Oh, was that was that him? 
Okay, so yeah. I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. Anyway, so but that's what they were, and and so they had a, a, a standoff, and uh, I, I think they end up killing themselves, if I'm not mistaken. They set but, the bunker that they were in on fire oh and burned them all, burned all the, burned all of them to death themselves. Did they use embalming fuel, fluid? Possibly, I don't know. <laughs> it's not, it's not organic hippies. Uh, so I'm kidding. <laughs> maybe it is. They use coconut oil. Just use it for everything. Waco, Texas. But they buried another, school yeah, buses. Yeah. But the but the branch of any Memorial Park is where the buses were because they, they would live in these buses and so they're they're buried out there and so that I guess it's a good tie-in to because we talk about serial killers. They the, the Ian and Andrew love to like sneak in every now and again serial killers and cult leaders and, and you know it's it's well there there Kinda we go. Cool. There's another connection. Makes sense why Teddy would have these buried school buses. Yeah, you know, I didn't think this episode would why go. Why why was that it why was that in my head though? Why did I know that? By the way, that that what? I'm reading off of a trip advisor <laughs> <laughs> review. Do you know that? <laughs> Because it's a Branch uh, Davidian no, Memorial Park. I can't Park. see your screen. <laughs> so we stopped there on the way. Let me read this review from, uh, let me just say who it is. Kimberly B. 1974. We stopped here on our way to Texas. Oh, Kimmy B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grant City, Illinois. So she's close to you. We stopped here on our way to out of Texas and back home to St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. Hmm. Hmm. Last minute decision. Hmm. Interesting and haunting. Not much left to see, but there was a guide there who's part of the whole incident. Who's part of the whole incident? And he Whoa. and he had an interesting information to share. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I, I said crap. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aiden says too many, so many fucked up cults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you have you seen the news lately? <laughs> cults are everywhere. <laughs> you just have to spit. You you hit a cult. So cool. Okay. But I didn't know. I, I wanted to see if I could quickly find something on like buses being fallout shelters though. But oh my God. Embers of Waco. Literally, here's what I typed in my search. Watch this. Buried school buses in Texas. That was my Google search. Here are the titles. Chow Chilla bus kidnapping. Embers of Waco. Man buries 42 school buses in North America's largest park. <laughs> no more parting in the underground school bus. KLAQ. What's going on in Texas? <laughs> Apparently right. nuclear bombs. John Francis Dory the fifth. Well, we got that info. <laughs> that makes John Francis Dory. The, well, is it Francis Dory? Would it be another type of Dory? John, John something no, Dory. Six, so it would be it, John Francis Dory. All, all three? Yep. Okay. All the names, I don't have a middle all the name. names would have things. to be the same. Um, Oh, I guess that makes sense, right? Because then you wouldn't need the the fifth, right? <laughs> if you had a different middle name, you'd be a new. And a he new did job. say yeah, in JD that there was six, the guns have been passed down for six generations. So, well, that's kind of cool. The titles of of four hundred five Laura and this one seven hundred three Cindy Hawkins are both names of women that were complete mysteries to the Dories. <laughs> yeah, that they solved eventually. Yeah, with with given time. <laughs> Impatience. I like that the moment John stopped looking and, and ended up trying to save June instead. I, I like how like I can almost sort of parallel this to Iris a little bit. So uh, for the most part, hope eventually. But from well, the Walking Dead world beyond Iris Bennett, for people who don't watch, I, I felt like throughout this episode, even though this is yes, alcohol withdrawal symptoms, which uh, we'll get to in a sec. But I felt like this whole episode, this whole time, was him working out something's just off here. Something is wrong here. 
is is this really safe? Is this place really the place that we need to be this whole time? Something's fishy with June. She's too happy here. She's not showing any signs of frustration. She's getting up early when she could stay in just as easily. Little things that would annoy me. I don't know about you, but your significant other waking up before you in the morning. Even when he says, I know you're not this, I'm not the Dory you wanted to spend your days with. And she's like, oh, it's fine. I'm glad I'm here. No acknowledgement of the loss of John whatsoever. And yeah. Until yeah. until he fi- he finally gets it out of her. Well, she's trapped. She can't run away. She can't run away from it anymore because she's trapped under the beams of the bunker. Mm-hmm. So she can't run away from it. She has to answer finally. Yeah. She has to acknowledge the loss of John. And I think this is really gets at the heart of John J- John Senior's anger is that in some ways he, she was like really manipulating him in a sense. I mean, granted, she was going with what she knew. I'm a, I'm again, I'm giving her good faith. Like, okay, maybe she was just doing what she thought was right. But I also like, I can't escape the feeling that there, not that there's a darkness to the, the notion, but there's like, what's wrong with me just wanting to have some sense of stability or, or comfort or like, I've been, I've been running since the apocalypse happened. And I, I, as a result, I lost my daughter and I, you know, I ran away from John and that was a bad move until we caught up and then we got separated again. And then as soon as we got back together, he left me again. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of like the last time he saw her is, is, is when, when they, they forked paths. And then the last time was when he was a walker. I mean, granted, a couple times, I think a couple times on the walkie, or I'm not even sure no. about that. Once, but yeah, that was it. No. And uh, I mean, that's something else that June has to deal with is she's got to still feel guilty about not going with John and not being there in time. And that's something else she she probably just doesn't want to deal with. She just doesn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to either if I was. And no, I mean, what if what if she gives in to feeling melancholy about John and now she's stuck in a bunker with and she's depressed and down and and can't get out of it, you know? Why? Yeah. Wh- you're why, saying what's why the would, alternative? I mean, if she starts thinking about how terrible it is and how it's her fault and she should have been with John and she starts blaming herself, then she's stuck in a tiny little hole with nowhere to go with only her thoughts and it's going to make her go insane too. Yeah, so she's like, I might as well lean into this fantasy or like lean into this comfort, lean into this uh, stability, let's say. Well, and that's that's what makes that's what make this makes this episode actually start to turn it around for me because we are seeing June be June and we're like oh seems normal but what we don't know is that John sees this and it, you, you don't you're not aware of it immediately at first you watch the episode and then you watch it again and you realize John knows something is up we don't we see this June we know this June we know this is June just trying to make the most out of a bad situation right this is June trying to bring John Dory Jr. out of the lurch this is June just doing her best and we're like, seems fine to me. Let's let's move on. John G- John Senior's like, it's just not right. Something's not right. And I I kind of like that we're not able to see what John Senior I'm assuming sees. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's something cool about on second watch being like, I like this guy. This guy sees what this guy. It, it, but and isn't that true about like people that you know? And I I don't know if you've been unlucky enough or had the misfortune about of. of of having to have a friend or family member who is addicted to a substance or something or or has some sort of addiction. But in, in many senses, when you have somebody like that and you're not aware of their addiction, you think everything is fine. You know, it, it takes somebody from the outside or somebody who has that experience to come in and go, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. You didn't notice that before? You're like, no, this is just how she always is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 
like we're this is the the June we're addicted to. John has known <laughs> but, he's known June since what a few weeks. Well, I mean not since they've been not before they go in the bunker. He knew her for at most a couple of weeks, and he knew I would say, yeah. post John June he time jumps know, notwithstanding. Right, he didn't know pre John June, which is who we see in the bunker yeah. at first is pre John June. Yeah. Well, I mean pre and with John June, I should say. Well, it's funny that you should mention that because, like, I feel like had she had had John Senior had actually met Laura, he would have seen a lot of similarities in some senses. Now, he wouldn't see a Laura that's trying to solve a problem necessarily. He would see a Laura that is running away from a problem. But that doesn't mean that John didn't have that in him when it came to John Junior. You know, John was was doing this to avoid having to, you know, oh, it's never too late, is it? No, well, not with my boy. I guess it was too late. I it's too late to go back. I guess I guess it. I guess I can't. That's the thing. The thing that makes me that makes me come around on this episode is I was almost pissed off that he kept saying it's not too late. It's never too late. I'm like, what? What relevance does that have? It has no relevance. What? What? What does that mean when you keep saying it? I thought he meant to like uh, to find Cindy to put Cindy to no, rest. No, well, at first it had nothing to do with Cindy. He says this the first uh, time he says it on the radio when he's talking to people. He's asking uh, yeah. people where they. Well, we're here in the bunker. Blah blah blah. It's not too late. It's never. Too it just late. seemed out of. It still. It, it still felt like even though it was an ism, right? It still felt a little out of place in a sense. And I, I almost feel like yeah. he knew something was wrong with June. And, and this is my way of making sense of it, just a little bit. It's like it, I felt like he almost knew something was wrong with June, just from the jump. Like it's not too late. It's never too late to pull her out of whatever this is, or to, or that she is proof that you can come back and that you can make a life for yourself, or you can you can forgive yourself. I mean, for for the things that you've done, you know. And he was so saying it to himself at first too. it was like, oh, sorry, he was saying it to himself too. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's here. He's with his daughter-in-law. I mean, I guess it isn't too late, right? But then I just felt it, it felt like out of place. And then you watch this episode, and you come back to that scene. You're like, I get it now. I get it a lot now. I, like he he is saying this to uh, yes as a reminder, but I also think that part of him is like, I, I know something's off here. I know something's off here. But you know what? It's not too late. I can I can figure it out. And I I like that this his subconscious that that twisted part of him that that almost threatens to say it's too late is resentful of June for her deception in a sense. She could take care of herself. I mean, look, look how she ran circles around you. <laughs> like yeah, she could totally take care of herself. Now finish this quest that you, you meant to finish a long time ago. You, you loser. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I like this, the two sides of them because they're, they're very real. They're, they're much more. And I, I'm threatening to say this. I, I know we don't want to say this and has, this is not disparaging John Jr. in any way. But John Sr. has has some depth to him. He has many different dimensions of him that are interesting to explore. Look, and maybe that's why we like John Jr. He's very uncomplicated. He, he's got a tone, and he plays that tune, and it's a melody that we're familiar with. And we like. There's nothing wrong with that. But, like, John Sr. has, has some darkness, but also, like, some interesting complexity and, and many different sides of him. He has his Doryisms, which is that layer that we're familiar with. But then there's the the guy who who he's got a dog with a bone. He's like that detective, that cop guy. And then there's that dark part of him that that said for forty years it's too late, I can't go back. And now he's embracing this other side of him, which is like this June and John Senior duo with the wheeled and guns thing, saying to himself it's never too late, embracing that part of himself that involves his son. I'm liking it. I like this guy. I mean, he pissed me off a couple times here and there, but I like this guy. I love when June uh, swooped in and stabbed Senior in the neck 
with the uh, I mean the arm with the um <laughs> yeah with the say. syringe that rem- it reminded me of two things when she sedated Wes after he was hurt and Virginia was questioning him and he swooped in and hit him with the um uh, sedative but also when Charlie hit Ed Ed at Buck's Landing yeah and Charlie got Ed with the syringe too it made me think of that because obviously um oh my God. if you notice she didn't get the whole dose in. If you notice, there's a little bit left in this in the syringe, which I guess is why he woke up so fast. And that made me think of Ed, because Ed was not out as long as they expected him to be. Cause they, yeah. We're well, and the chemical, when we did the research on the chemical that, that he was using, it wasn't strong enough to sedate him for long mm. anyway, no matter how much you put in him. So, ah, we tick one in our corner. I also noticed something else, and, and that was uh, a, a slight little COVID nod again. Like we have to, she says to, so June says to John Sr., like we have to establish an airlock so that all the bad stuff can't come in. And I was noticing like, oh, remember when the pandemic first hit and we had to kind of like take off all our clothes and put them in the, some people did that thing where they took, put it in the laundry and then they hopped straight into the shower and then they disinfected their, mm-hmm. their packages and then they put them through an assembly line with their kids and the kids wiped them down and then they got to open it and then they had to wipe the things that were in the package and the, oh God, give me a break. That's what that reminded me of. And I'm like, oh, God, now I can't unsee this shit. You know? <laughs> what Aiden was referring to before was uh, he, he said it's scary for sure to be involved with somebody who, uh, who has an addiction. Uh, he says, my screenplay for screenwriting class is a story about various addiction, accepting your faults and moving past them or dying from being unable to defeat it. Well, that's two extremes. <laughs> There's also living miserably with it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not acceptance, but it's a whole lot of misery. <laughs> That's most people, Aiden. Most people don't live in their acceptance. Like, I noticed at the end of the episode, I was like trying to think to myself, what is going on here with both Victor and Morgan? And there's arguments on both sides of why it makes sense. And even Morgan acknowledges it. I, I don't mind you say This is something, this is another something that I was actually hoping I would see a little bit of nuance in this conflict between Morgan and Victor. And he, Morgan's like saying it. Please, please save the world. I don't care if you want to make it in your own image. Just have have a party. The world is big enough for the both of us. And Victor's like, huh, see? <laughs> I don't know. But like, <laughs> I, the, the one thing that I thought was really cool in their conversation was Morgan knowing which way is up and saying to Victor, you know, this is all your fault. Like, yeah, ultimately it's Teddy's fault. But like, we could have stopped it together. And, 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 and I love how Victor says, that's not the way I see it. Yeah. Ginny much? Um, like, Victor, knowing actually. which way is up? Well, how is it what? Victor's fault? Morgan gave him the key. Ultimately, it's Morgan's yeah. fault. I think that's why I find that conversation interesting as well. Because, it, it, yes, oh, that's true. That is, Morgan that did give Riley the key. infuriated me. I was infuriated at that. Don't blame... Oh, look. Morgan is doing the thing where he blames everybody else for the shit that he's done. He, he fucking does it. Yes, that's true. But like, okay, let's have this. Let's have this argument because yes, that's true. Everything you're saying is right. However, he had a chance to make it up and Victor stood in the way of that. So that's, that's on well, Victor. Victor kicking him in also, there is how he found the key cards is how they got in this, in the door. Anyway, they wouldn't have gotten in the door if he hadn't done that. I'm not saying mm. he was right for doing it, but I'm just saying that's, that's how they got the cards again there. So that was how- Victor's take on it though. 
forward. Right. So I mean, I'm, I'm not right saying he's thing, right, but I'm saying yeah, in reality, true, true. that is how they got the card. Right. Otherwise, how would they have gotten in there? Right. So, God, and like, and think, okay. of, think of how many things that Please, end up happening just as a result of all this stuff. It's Strand's fault. That made me so mad. I, no, Morgan, it is none of this is Strand's fault. This shit is your fault for giving them the key when you freaked out over Grace. Otherwise, they would never have been able to do this. So, I mean, shouldn't we be blaming Grace? Grace. <laughs> Instead of Morgan, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because because uh, we, I think we all acknowledge. Would you have done well, any, I mean, any Grace, different? Would Grace you have told? Was waking up out no, of a fever. I Grace wasn't going to was, argue with Grace. Grace was waking up out of a fever dream. She was totally messed up. Morgan was not. Morgan was awake and had his freaking faculties, and he should have known better. He freaked out and panicked and gave them the key because Grace was screaming at him. Don't get me wrong. You have to be that voice for the people. who have that voice. Even Rachel and me in sort of going the other way, we still kind of think different. Like you'll still acknowledge that it is kind of Morgan's fault, even though like you don't blame him for not doing it. Meanwhile, I'll be like, no, I would never. No, no. Grace is yell yelling at me. She's having a, that, that, I, it occurred to me like why I thought of Morgan and Victor in this moment, because I see this weird, interesting similarity between Morgan and John Sr., that there has to be a meaning behind mm. some of the things we see. There has to be a purpose. We have to uncover the truth. We have to get at the root of the thing that drives the whole bus, you know? And, and I do see that similarity. And like, you know, you're gonna, like him, him side-eyeing Jew and going, you're gonna, you're gonna go with, you're, you're gonna go with this guy? After what he did to Morgan? Yeah. It's like, but it's then like, again, ah. here, I mean, <laughs> like, look, Morgan you know. let Dakota walk around the freaking dam like, like nothing happened. Then exiled June after she killed Virginia, then blamed June for the baby dying. She didn't so, blame. He didn't blame yes, June for the did. baby dying. Yes, he did. I disagree with that. But that's okay. We anyway, can disagree about that. So why would June want to go back and stay he with did. Morgan anyway? Why, why would she even want to go back to Morgan? No, no, no. But I, I, listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, okay. I, I think we, we covered this before we even got on. I was like, I'm not saying June should go with Morgan at all. <laughs> I think June should go well, with I'm the just, best chances I'm, of her surviving. I'm putting that in term and thinking through June. Why, would, why wouldn't she want to stay oh. with Strand? Why would she want to go with Oh, Morgan? okay. That's different. Yeah. There's, yeah. Just because you're not with Strand doesn't mean you're with Morgan. That's, these, that's, those, those are two mutually exclusive things. I, I think. I, I don't think... I don't think if you not go with Victor, you automatically go with Morgan. That's not where I stand at all. But, you know, I... I, I, I think that's how Victor would see it. Yes. I think that's how Victor would see and it, I sure. I think that's how Morgan would see it. No, I don't think so. Even Morgan acknowledges it. He, not, he acknowledges, please save everybody. All our so friends, please save them. what I'm saying is, Morgan would see it. If you're staying with Strand, then you're, you don't, you're not on my side. I, I, I feel like he acknowledges the opposite. He says, please save our friends. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't think look, it, that remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm not disagreeing with you if that, in fact, does happen. But he does say in this episode, like, uh, thank you for saving um, my friends. Thank you. Keep doing that. I think you should help people. Just don't hurt people. You know, just, you know, what, do I like this change. It's like it doesn't have to be my way. And again, remains to be seen for sure, because this is not what we're used to. Like, we, he, Morgan talks a big game, but yeah, I'm acknowledging Morgan talks a big game, but then and the, at the end of the day, he kind of reverts, kind of goes back to basics. Oh, are, are you pleased with how I'm wording this? Well, I mean, no, I mean, I'm just... Because it's I'm, true, right? I'm sure I'm, I'm probably wrong, because I usually am. Oh, about what? But about the way Morgan feels about things, because I'm, I'm kind of biased, but... Again, you have to voice this opinion, because I'm not going to have it. <laughs> it's like, 
get, no, I'm not. And so we need that dimension. You know, we need that other dimension to it. And Rachel's got to stand there. Why are my parents fighting? Aiden <laughs> <laughs> said he was popping some popcorn. He's <laughs> like, oh, the shade of it all. No, I, I, this is why I like what's happening right now, because it smells familiar. But I wonder how it's ultimately going to shake out. And Victor is just, Yeah. There is something going on there. Well, I mean, like, there is leaning into a. I love the ridiculous. Honestly, it's a lot like the beer bottle balloon, but an evil version of the beer bottle balloon. <laughs> like he's. Do you know what I mean? Like it is extra. It's so extra. It is beyond extra how he's being right now. It's fantasy land. Strand is he's, extra. It's fantasy he's, strand. He's the emperor from like Star Wars. He's the emperor. Or, and he's like Emperor Palpatine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's a lot smoother of voice. See, I'm with I'm with Aiden. First of all, he says great discussions tonight. We can always take that. Thank you. Uh, I really do not want to see Strand die because he is so entertaining to watch. Except this Palpatine. <laughs> except he, this Palpatine thing he does by throwing Will off the roof. I think that's what he sort of means. <laughs> ah, Will, goodbye. I eat you. <laughs> Uh, Will was Skywalker, and he just throws him off the roof. He skywalked all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he sky plummeted. <laughs> Palpatine got thrown. Victor does the throwing. Yeah, see, yeah. I'm the one who does the throwing. <laughs> I'm Victor Strand. I'll just I, I can, almost can't believe what I'm seeing. They've managed to make me be in Team Strand, and I really don't know how this happened. Like, I really have no idea how this how this came about, but I am, like, in team, team Strand right now. I don't know. What the hell? What the hell? It might not help that June Dory is... I'm not saying she is, but I feel like she's like, now yeah, let's roll with it. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I... I, I've already made a meme about it, of course, because it was it was hilarious. But was, when he said that, she was just like, mm, you know, <laughs> it's the Marvel meme. He's like, is it, though? And I'm Thor. Thor. He, so I put, oh, I put uh, Chris Hemsworth's character, John Dory, Thor? John Dory in the tower. Yeah. We have to leave in June. Do we, though? <laughs> <laughs> Rachel pointed out something that um, I didn't notice the first time around as as June and Senior are going up the ladder to leave for the last time, she has John's hat wrapped up in plastic, strapped to her back. Mm -hmm. I didn't notice that the first time, but I did. What, I, yeah, that's it's so sweet. That's cute. <laughs> and, well, I, I hope she still has it because that looks pretty dire right at the end there. Because they, they're they're stripped down to their culty uh, t-shirts. Why are they all sky blue? Why are they all sky blue? Who who dressed Senior? Who undressed him and dressed Probably him? Probably June. Because he woke up. It's her father-in-law. He's a nurse. <laughs> yes. Be professional, Rachel. God. <laughs> it's pervert. Anyway. Um, That'd be awkward. I wouldn't want to undress my father-in-law. Think of it this way. I don't care what profession I'm think, in. Think of it this way. Look at... <laughs> Look at him as you would like your son. Like you would do that for your kid if he was helpless. Of course you would, right? So extend that but grace. It's, but he's not a kid. He's your father-in-law. <laughs> hey, man, but if he... It, okay. You know, in the heat of the moment, you're going to feel how you're going to feel about it. You're going to do... Like, I got I to gotta jump in there. I got to do the things because that's how we got to be, you know? And then you say, uh, I don't know who undressed you. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. You were like that when I yeah, walked I, in. I don't know. Somebody must have helped you, not me. <laughs> But I wanted to go back to this one point of what does it mean for June to sort of, let's say, let's say she does lean into Victor's domicile. and But let's say she does lean in. John Sr. spent 70 days unknowingly try, trying to figure out what, what is wrong with June. I'm sure the first 
the first 50 days, we're like, this seems fine. And then like by the 51st day, he's kind of like, she is just too chipper. She's waking up early in the morning, waking my ass up with her fucking jingle jangles. It's like, and then like, I think at some point he's just kind of like, this is something's off here and she's never going to tell me. And everything, every day's the same. There are no windows in this place. I'm losing my fucking mind. And yet she's just fine. She's not fine. This is, she wants this. Why does she want this? Why would anybody want this? Why didn't she get mad at me one single time? I'm this ordinary jackass sometimes. <laughs> so what does it mean for her to take Victor up on, her, on his offer? It means that she gets to be that way again after saving her from that fucking bunker. I, I can see what you're saying about June being right. back in the same place, but maybe she'll have a purpose at least here because she didn't have one really under in the bunker other than to just stay alive and stay sane. I, I agree. I mean, I think, I think it's always good to have a purpose, but I, I'm a little worried and I can't shake that worry. Maybe it's just instinct, Let's, which I'm never used to saying, honestly. <laughs> I usually have a reason. But part of me is just kind of like, well, narratively, okay, maybe it is narrative, narrative thing that bugs me. It's like, spent all this time this episode trying to save, essentially, eventually saving June, just to have her be, just to have her go back into this addiction by kind of going back into the comfort hole. Well, but what is your... And never having to leave again. Then what would you suggest that she do to get out of that comfort know. hole? Go out into the world where everything is death? I mean, she was no. she was right about that. So what what exactly is she gonna do? Why? I don't at know, least but... if she stays with Strand, she has again. She has a purpose. She has people to take care of. She has something to do every day instead of just take care of John Senior and marinate in her misery. Her, her misery and her feelings. So I so, I don't feel that like it's think... the same thing. I don't feel like it's the same thing. No, it's definitely really. not the same thing for sure. Right? She she can. I mean, she'll have other people to talk to, too, not just John. Her living, breathing reminder of her dead husband. She, mm. she has somebody else to talk to. I think, I think June will do a lot better around other people. And the fact that it's Strand's place, nah, that's just something she's got to deal with. What I'm worried about is what happens when the other half of this group... I'm, I'm assuming more people are going to enter Strand's tower... You know, what happens when the other half of the group shows up with Morgan and Victor says, okay, I've given you all of this. Now you have to fight your friends, you know? Mm, sounds familiar, <laughs> Ginny. Yeah. And it, but yeah, and he's gonna and he's gonna expect that loyalty because he's provided you know protection and comforts for them. And oh, I said last episode he was. He'll expect them to fight just for him. Channeling Virginia or not in uh, in seven hundred one. Yeah. Just but the, channeling Virginia. Doesn't that annoy you? If, Even calling his people rangers. Does, does yeah. that annoy you a little bit though too? Like okay, that it would just end up the same way as it was with Jenny, or and then who's who's the victor in that situation, <laughs> right? Like. Who takes his place? Unseating Ginny Howard. Or sorry, Victor Howard. Right? And he yeah. risked his life. And Morgan will fuck it up again, probably. <laughs> and he risked his life. No, Daniel comes in and shoots Strand in the face. Oh, again. No. I, you know what? takes over. And that's... Yes. Oh, sorry? June, June takes, takes over. Well, yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of where I was going with this, too. Like, because I there's something weird and false. Because, well, what was I saying this time last year? Or not this time, but... Close. I was saying June could run this shit. And so, but what are we settling on? And I'm not saying that I'm an optimist. Like, I, I, I want June to live her best life. And maybe she doesn't, she's not there yet. You know, she's not, she's not reached that point yet. I'm like that overachieving parent. <laughs> you, A, where's that A plus, June? <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> so like, you know, why settle for Victor when you could do your own thing? I, I is Keep in mind, I'm not saying you're wrong either. I'm just saying there's nothing wrong with Victor's offer, to be honest and frank with you. There really isn't. Yeah, he's being very generous yeah. right now. And then when he needs something, he's going to expect okay. yeah. these people to work for, you know, do something for him. Right. Whatever that is. Quick point of contention. Does John Dory Sr. fit into Victor's plan? Because he's obviously giving him the side eye. <laughs> well, I think I mean, Victor he, wants him there. I mean, Victor yeah, oh, I can see says why. he wants him there. But I don't think that Sr. wants to stay there. And I can foresee Sr. splitting and <sighs> leaving June to go to Morgan. But mm-hmm. Aiden brought something up that really sticks with me right now. What if... He, he's basically saying... Victor would want him for his detective skills, and that could be the hook for C- Dory Sr. Just like you're giving June... To find Alicia. Sorry? Find Alicia. To find Alicia. May- maybe. Even just as a thing, right? Is just to do the things to find things. If it's Alicia, find. If it's or to find Morgan, Padre. find. Exactly. Right? Things like that. But that would be the hook for John Dory Sr. That'd be like, oh, I have another mission, a mystery to solve. Mm-hmm. Well, then. It, I, you, hooked, you hooked June... Right? With the comfort angle. Now you're hooking John with the comfort angle. I could see that working out for Victor. <laughs> but is that the best is that the best thing for them? That's what niggles at me. It just kinda like yum 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 yum. It just, just well, gets me I and I'm like, I wonder if this thing, is the right thing. I think Victor is the best thing for June. I don't know about senior. Maybe maybe not for senior. Maybe he and just he and Victor will not see eye to eye enough for Unless to be a he's okay with the detective stuff. But um, I think I think it's good for June to stay there and yeah, heal. I, I yeah. think so too. And you know why? It, like the, the other thing that bugs me, like if you go through the looking glass on this on this whole Victor thing, like if Victor would let it, why why wouldn't everybody at some point go with Victor? The only thing that bugs me is that Victor does this thing that Pope has done and the CRM has done is like, well, it's time to make remake the world in my image. If the one thing that the all three shows now have is some asshole that's doing that, and it's like, well, okay, fine, fine, I don't care. <laughs> do do that. I, I guess I have no choice. One's a nuclear hellscape. The other is we are the light of the world. How can I compete with that? Iris says, yeah, I'll fight you. Oh, boo, David and Goliath. And then we have we have Pope who just met his demise, but now somebody maybe even more badass has come to take his place in the form of Leah. Leah Shaw on the on the on the Walking Dead, and I'm just like wondering why do all these shows have these fucking assholes trying to dominate the the fucking landscape, and why are we okay with that? <laughs> We're gonna get Kublik, Strand, and Leah all meeting each other at some point. <laughs> Duke it out. <laughs> that's how we got rid. That's how we get rid of them. We just let them meet each awesome. other, and then they just poopity poop, and then while they're at it, you just you, then Iris can come in. That's how that's how Iris <laughs> solves the whole thing. And and you know what? I'd be okay with that. Oh, I would not. <laughs> Iris doesn't get to fix all the shows. Fuck that. Get Aiden out of says, here. "Oh my God, yes, that's a meeting I need." And then and then she ends this the whole Walking Dead universe with, "That's what you get." <laughs> <laughs> and then Rachel explodes into a halo <laughs> of of bile and saliva and feces. Yep. All <laughs> yep. rocket. Every bad word coming out of my face. <laughs> That, that's the last thing we... That's going to be on your tombstone. It's your epitaph. Epitaph? 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 I don't know. But epitaph. Epitaph? Uh, what? That's what you get? That's what's going to be on my epitaph? No, no. It's like that's Iris. What you get. <laughs> <laughs> Just Iris. <laughs> Iris and then explosion noise. That's what it'll say. Ugh, I hate... 
I'm starting to hate these little parallels a little bit too, because they feel like the same. This is kind of what I'm getting at. If, if it comes down to a final showdown with Morgan, are are we not doing the same thing that we did last season? And, and what's the point? You know, are we do, are we going to end up doing something different? Is it going to turn out different? Who wins? Who survives? The guy, the the stalkers, the guys in the the, the stupid gear. They they're a lot like when we see the end is the beginning graffiti. Like I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to find out. They're Ginny. They're Madison. So <laughs> you said this before the show. Now I want to hear. Do you have a working idea? Because that. I well, don't, if I, if Cole, I don't disagree, if Cole could survive the stadium and show up as a bad guy, then why not Madison leading these bad guys? I mean, what what the heck? Why not? Yeah, that's, and they that's all the seem only to... evidence I have. So Cole was outside the stadium, though, wasn't he? <laughs> she went back in. <laughs> <laughs> She's a glutton for punishment. That Madison. I don't know. I, I think it's a good idea, though. If you are, it would come out of nowhere. It, people would least expect her being responsible for these people. But then again, this weird fuck behavior no, of stripping the dead. I got it. The stalkers are the kids in Tess and Ranger Samuels. That's who they are. I hope not. I hope not, because we've killed a lot of them. Well, at least the ones in this episode, at least. Right? And then and then, yeah. what's the point? Like, what, what is the point of them? Right? Because they're all, they seem to be just trying to bring people out into the radioactive world. Could, could they uh, even be Teddy's I know, people? I, well, I mean, sh- right? Because Alicia's obviously not still in that bunker that they were supposed to be in. So where are these 128 people? And Alicia, where well, you know a what I mean? Chunk like, of them are outside uh, of the lighthouse now. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, collapsed yeah. in a heap. Exactly. I really hope that we find out who these stalkers are sooner rather than later, because I am getting a Ender's feeling, and yes, it took forever yes. to find out why these guys were spray painting shit. And I, I, by the time we finally found out, I'm like, fucking finally, right? Like, and I yeah. and I I liked it, but it, yeah. are we doing this again? Th- this is my point. Are we are we doing this like, again? Like don't do it don't do it again. Right? Don't do it yeah. Don't do like, it. Like it's one thing if there was like a there's like a if there's a symmetry but then there you go in a different direction. Okay, so like mm-hmm, Josiah mm-hmm. in a way. I'm hoping that Josiah is a guy who just wants to know what happened to his brother. Why'd you shoot me, you fuck ass? <laughs> like I'm I'm just a guy who's in who who has a, a pick shovel. I don't have an axe, it's just a pick shovel. <laughs> I'm digging holes and you know, getting ore for miner- minerals. What if the stalkers are CRM soldiers that somehow, maybe as we've, as I said earlier, they have to have a base there somewhere. So maybe the base was hit or you know wiped out, and these CR- these are the remains of the CRM soldiers in um, in Texas. Mm. And the only from reason, Portland. yeah, from Portland. <laughs> and the reason Isabel sure. isn't among them is because Isabel. <laughs> was off rescuing everybody else when the bomb hit or whatever. Uh, uh, mm. Maybe. Well, these could be people that Alicia kicked out of, of Portland, Texas. They could all be a result of Alicia winning in a conflict against them, I, if I had to guess. Uh, did did B and Fred say that... Didn't they say other people were living in that town yeah. for mm-hmm. a while, too? Yes. Maybe, maybe some of these leftover people from that town turn into stalkers. Hmm. That seems way more likely than the shit that from, we've been pulling out of our ass. From the honky-tonk. I mean, <laughs> I it's not so bad. It's not such a bad idea. Yeah. I mean... Well, I'm just... We, we know that these people were around at some point, so maybe some of them are... Yeah, maybe, they, maybe they're stripping the dead now for whatever they can uh, get. Madison is, like the, is the new Morales. No, no! <laughs> 
That's fine. We get to watch her die no, again. Oh, I don't want to see that. I, I, I have my limits. Like you have your limits with Carol. Not very many. Yeah. <laughs> I got my limits with Madison. Like I make fun of it a lot. But it's, you know, I, w- I, mean, I you don't wouldn't want even want to see, see her die yeah, again. But, but <laughs> no, because that means she'd be because that means she'd come yeah. back. And I'm that's no, I don't want yeah. that. I complicate things. I, let's let's talk about what, what Jasmine sent me earlier about the symptoms of alcohol withdrawal. She did some research on what John Dory Sr. was going through. And she, because she wanted to validate what he was actually experiencing. Uh, she had said, hey, since I can't make the recording, I'll share some of my research on what Dory, John Dory Sr. was experiencing. I don't know whether you guys will find it time to talk about it. We do. <laughs> it's relevant, but I thought it was quite interesting. So people who have an addiction to alcohol drink heavily on a, re- a regular basis. It causes alcohol withdrawal symptom, AWS, where heavy drinking is more than 15 drinks per week. So half a bottle of whiskey a day definitely cuts it. Reason, excess alcohol consumption stimulates the nervous system. Nervous system becomes dependent on alcohol. Stopping this causes AWS. So mild symptoms include tremors, seen in episode, anxiety, also seen in episode, nausea, vomiting, headaches, increased heart rate and BP, sweating. Let me see some of that. Irritability, yes. <laughs> seen in this episode. Confusion, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Insomnia, for sure. Nightmares, yep, living nightmares. And this is the kicker. In more extreme, uh, the more extreme version is known as what June refers to in the episode is DTs. These are delir- del- delirium tremors, right? and uh, it's potentially fatal. Even June kind of, sort of mentions this in passing like it, when they're in victor's place so like between that and the tremors I, I didn't know if you'd make it out of it so this causes extreme confusion agitation fever potential seizures hallucinations auditory and visual as well as physical itching or burning up present uh this is likely what john dory senior experienced based on his alcohol consumption going cold turkey and his hallucinations although this covers five percent of all alcohol withdrawal cases and is caused by alcohol dependency within the neurotransmitters of the brain. You're only able to relax with drink in the system. So basically, John Dory was fucked. (laughs) This more extreme version worsens significantly with time and peaks after about five to seven days. And sedatives are in fact listed as a treatment method. Go June. Also, could have done without... Could have done with some antipsychotic meds to stop the hallucinations, amongst other things, to stop physical symptoms. So, thank you, Jasmine. I love getting this information because it is so screen accurate mm-hmm. to what what mm-hmm. uh, John Dory Senior was going through. You take that, you do the spooky beta shit, where, where the body was in the was in the bunker the whole time. <laughs> it was it was her ghost the whole time, calling him a loser. I'm going to say I have, wasn't planning on it, but I'm going to say it. And you can argue all day, but I don't care. I'm calling Cindy a ghost. She's an asshole if she's a ghost. She's <laughs> quite the dick. I'm, I was calling her a ghost the whole episode, yeah. didn't I, Sharon D? I'm like, she's nearby. <laughs> she's nearby. That's why she's here. Do, do, um, what do you think, Sharon D? Because I'm I'm abstaining from this one. I'm, I mean, no I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not doing this. I don't necessarily agree with Rachel. I think it was a hallucination, but, you know, Rachel is allowed to think whatever she wants to think. But, yes, I mean, it did fit all the criteria of a ghost, but since he was having the DTs. Yeah. To make everything easier, of course, you can say, oh, it's her ghost. Makes sense. I mean, ghosts aren't really... They don't have to be the thing that we're talking about, the actual definition. Yes, Aiden, I know I'm an idiot. I'm wrong about everything. I don't know why I talk. Stop! Uh, (laughs) I don't know why I'm here. She also, okay, because you're referring to, she also thought Frost was a spy, so. (laughs) Yeah, I also thought Riley was a good guy, so fuck me. (laughs) Wait, but we also thought at one point RJ wasn't real. That fucked with us. That wasn't me. At least that wasn't me. I didn't put that out there. 
I just believed I it. I hardcore like went on that ride. Like it was like Ashley, I'm riding shotgun on this one. <laughs> you go, girl. I'm always yeah, wrong. I, but it, I am it's too. okay. Yeah, I'm I'm never right. too. I'm never wrong. Except when it's June, I'm right all the time. When it's June, I'm wrong too. Haven't I? Haven't I been wrong? I've been. I've been wrong. No, you're usually right, Dave. <laughs> except about you know, um, you know what? Except about senior being fucking Dakota's grandfather or some shit. Hey, listen, listen. Yeah, there's there's, there's nothing some disproving that. Go, uh, uh, there's some things you go off listen, on the deep end about, you, but most mostly you're you're listen, usually. Listen, Jeremy, right. you got Portland, Texas. I got D- Dakota's grandfather. Okay. <laughs> I'm sticking by my <laughs> Portland theories. I yeah, know I'm wrong, exactly. but I'm going to die on that hill. <laughs> oh, so I want to note one more parallel. Uh, Morgan giving Victor the you're dealing with somebody else now speech. This is, But this is what I'm talking about. Only I won't miss. Okay. Again, we're doing this repeat thing, and it's almost like pissing me off a little bit. When I watched it the first time, I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Then I, I'm taking notes on it the second time. I'm like, but is it cool? <laughs> I, is it? I love the parallels. Finding the parallels is like, and as my, I see them and it just makes me so happy. I'm like, well, I mean, these made me sad too, but I, I mean, I just, yeah, I love that's what I'm finding the parallels. I love finding them. It just, it's, it's exciting to me. That's, I, I love picking it apart and finding all the little details that they brought in from other episodes, especially that give me the feels. Listen, if it gets to an annoying point, I'm, I'm going to revolt. <laughs> I mean, of course, they're going to do this thing where they're going to keep doing the parallels and keep repeating history and turn almost turning out the same way as it did before. And then uh, all of a sudden they'll do something else and be like, oh, that's what this was leading to. Whoa. But here's the thing. I feel like Ian and Andrew do tend to do this thing where like at the beginning of season six and the beginning of season five and four, the seasons kind of go. I can't believe I'm criticizing them. But they do this thing where they come out really hot and they have this cool idea and it, it's in development. But after the mid-season, it kind of kind of falls apart. Um, even even season six to a certain extent, some people, not me, but some people criticized uh, like, oh, I was really liking the first half, but then the second half came around and look, could be COVID filming, could, could be they well, had to- because they killed uh, John. <laughs> they yeah, started well, off the I second mean, half with killing John. Everybody's like- <laughs> But you know, e- even in that decision, many people were like, I they did that, but I'm but you know like they went there. We didn't like that it happened, but in this narrative sense, it it's interesting. It's interesting that they did that. You know, like it's not you can't deny that it's interesting and what it means for every everybody else to experience this loss. You know, we don't want it to happen, but it's different. It's like okay, we're going into season seven. It's feeling like season six or five or four, and you know what are we doing out here? I mean, the only different thing than. All other seasons of Fear the Walking Dead is Strand leaning into the evil. And that's probably, and even that isn't so interesting. <laughs> it's it's beer bottle balloon on an evil level. Like it's like the dark, it's a black beer bottle balloon instead of the, the sudsy yellow version. You know, it's a, wow. it's a stout beer bottle. Ooh, Ooh. I love those. That's like <laughs> it's it's the difference. I like the stout more than I did lager, but they're evil. Arr. So Aiden says, uh, no one died in season five, so they had to do something despite how sad. The only deaths in season five was Tom, 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 Tom. So you're making us mad when you're making us mad, Tom, Tom, Tom. What are you doing, Tom? <laughs> Get, Get off, off the, the fucking bridge, Tom. Well, Logan. Uh, I, yeah, that sucked. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Matt Frewer had to had, had some other obligations. I had to kill him off the show. I was like, oh, well, I guess he's gone. With Darius. Mm-hmm. Darius had to go too, Darius. They could have been cool damn dwellers, no? 
I'd like to see Matt Frewer as a recurring character every now and then. Hey, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still exist. Aiden says, Logan could have a twin. That's a thing now. <laughs> <laughs> Maze and Emil. <laughs> Maze and Emil. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's, Twins are... Yeah. And that's another thing. That's an, yet another reprisal. Like, Emil plays, playing Josiah. Literally on the nose. It's like, <laughs> guys, we're going to do it, and we're going we're gonna to flaunt it in your face. We're going to have to change our trivia question again. <laughs> <laughs> right? As soon as Emil died, I was like, no, come back. Like, all we want is Emil back. We want Emil back. Bring Emil back. And then they do, and I'm like... I didn't expect you to bring him back. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm like... This isn't what I meant. That's, that's like... <laughs> It's like when, when somebody says, gone, to, gone too You're soon. You're doing it. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, I don't know about doing it wrong. It's like, but you you did it. Why Why did you do what I said? Like, I was just saying yeah. it to say it, you like, know? Gone too soon, rip. The one the one time you give us what we want. Yeah, it's not really what we want. It's like, can you bring, bring John back? Crickets. <laughs> it's like, right? oh, he has a twin yeah. brother too. Yeah, I didn't mention June. <laughs> well, I mean, they did bring John back, kind of, so. Burp, 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 burp. I, that's the only thing I, I have left to talk about. The the mamas and the papas, California Dreaming. Um, a little bit, because we touched on it earlier. And in one sense, because you brought it up, it's like uh, all of these are brown and they're kind of falling all, all around. Like you can see the, the brown flecks of gross uh, coming from the seams. Gray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The sky is very gray. But it's it, it's also like emblematic of like when they made this song, it was, um, I, I forget who the, I read who, it was a couple who sing the song or who made the song or helped make the song. And one of them was from California. The other was from the, from uh, New York city. Michelle and John Phillips. Thank you. Michelle was the one from California, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Not sure. And she was the one who was California dreaming. She was like during the cold weather of New York city, it's gray. The, the leaves are Brown. And she's like, can I be in California? Can I just be there? And, and John's like, well, it's, it's, uh, it's just the way it is. And he's right. Yeah, that's right. He was writing it from her perspective. He wrote the song from her perspective about complaining about the weather. So it's essentially a very simple song, but like, it's also what's great about it in this episode, aside from the obvious is I'm California dreaming about being back at the cabin, something we said you can never go back to, but here we are. And she gets the, she gets this like pocket of in dreams moment with, with John senior. But what I like about that song is like, yeah, look around you. You don't know which way is up June. This is not perfect. It's not the way life should be. See the forest for the trees. <laughs> it's plain as day. But then also, like, some of the behind the scenes of this song dealt with two specific things. Yes, it's the obvious on the nose thing about dreaming about a normal life while you're living in a bunker. <laughs> uh, but then there's the end of it, which is he was foreshadowing his, like, I don't care if it means, or she was technically foreshadowing. I don't care. I, I want to be back in California, even if it means I have to go without her. So there's a little of that going on. So, and which actually did foretell the Phillips's divorce, their own divorce later on in life, not too long after the song. And Jeez. and yet John, John Sr. was threatening to kind of leave this place with or without her. He was like saying, I mean, I'll come back for you, but I'm going. This is this is what's happening right now. So I, I like that little bit of a parallel, too. We you know. need to talk about the Ouroboros on um, John, on Teddy's box that everybody has pointed out matches Alpha's belt buckle. That's that's it. Is that the what we do? Is, <laughs> the, well, we got the beginning of the end, and we got the um, we yeah. are the end of the world. But we also they also look like infinity symbols, which Dwight and Sherry use. It's on June's bracelet, and it's also painted on the bunker wall. 
You mean Alicia's bunker Alicia's wall? Bunker the wall. It, it mm-hmm. it's it sort of resembles uh, an infinity symbol. Yeah. Well, again, makes me panic. Like it's, like I can't shake the fact that she's got something. There's something there that's not quite right with her. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like that you're painting infinity symbols. Dwight and Sherry, perfectly fine. Normal. Alicia, not great. I don't feel good about it. <laughs> she's chasing after death. Out of death brings new life. Oh no, Alicia, what happened? Or maybe she's just <laughs> trying to blend in, like Madison. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck ass. <laughs> Fuck this show. <laughs> Although I say that, and because I say that, it's like, well, you know, if you're making me feel this way, you must be doing something right. <laughs> so, yeah, kudos to you, Nick Bernardoni, <laughs> who wrote all these episodes, which is great because he's great. Aiden says, uh, by that logic, Madison's probably coming back. Ha 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 ha. Waiting for Dakota's cousin to show back. Because <laughs> he's talking about the, <laughs> the, the symbols. This could be Ian and Andrew's plan to kill off the last four originals from the first three seasons. Yeah. What I had said was, if you put it all on Strand, Strand leaning into being evil, you could basically pin all the deaths of the Clarks on Strand for just being there. And now, intentionally, for killing Alicia. It's like... Dude, this is the best smoke screen ever. Hey, hey, Coleman, play it up. Act more evil so that you could throw the scent off of us. Like, be that evil strand that we want you to be. So, who's the fourth original? Daniel, Lucy, Strand, and Alicia. Strand, Alicia, and Daniel. Lucy. Yeah, Lucy, Daniel. Oh, Lucy. (laughs) Yeah! That's okay because I was going through my head and I forgot Alicia. I was like, Lucy, Daniel, Strand, who's the other one? Well, I was thinking Charlie, but I'm like, Charlie didn't show up till four. So who's the fourth? I was stuck at, yeah, Lucy. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Lucy goes with whoever is speaking at the frickin' moment. We've noticed this in our Mm rewatch, but uh, the example is 616. She's like, we have to listen to Riley. He's right. And then as soon as Riley, she's like, oh, we have to listen to Daniel. (laughs) And then we've seen it several times in the rewatch oh we have to do what this person says because and then two minutes later she's like no wait a minute we gotta do what this guy says it's our only choice (sighs) yeah you know what i feel like they have not solved this lucy problem no she's the character that kind of dingleberried onto the from the original cast that dingleberried on i say this like you could be doing this better and i can't help but think and i hope (laughs) i feel like we said this what two seasons already in a row that they could be doing this better and that Hell, she could be the best bad guy ever. <laughs> she could be on straight. <laughs> she could kill Howard and take his place. And I'd be like, okay, I'm watching. Yeah. I'm interested. All right, fine. Okay. I don't know. I don't do. say anymore. I mean, it does. And you know what? That, that, that is a parallel that I'd be interested in watching because it's not as if she wasn't part of La Colonia, which was a, I mean, they did what they did and they were trying to be what they needed to be, but they were kind of living under certain delusions as well. And she was kind of like the military wing of that place. And so, okay, I could see her doing a, a return. Why not? Why not? I'm in, I'm in with that. That's that's kind of a big parallel. That's like a big callback. That's a callback from seasons ago. I can deal with that. These callbacks from just a season ago or just a season or two ago, it's been done. It's been done. You're not doing anything different. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> Iris, Huck. Oh, <laughs> it says she's gonna go to whomever has less people so she gets more lines. 
<laughs> that's, that's, and Lucy's going to say, that's what you get. <laughs> and with that, everybody, thanks for joining us on another episode of Squawking Dead. And if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But feel free to do whatever you want in that space. Tell us what we got right. Tell us what we got wrong. Just tell the world that we're worth watching because you got to do it after every episode. It doesn't cost you a thing and it means the world to us. But if you really, really want to be in on the action, you know, the inside track of the thing while Aiden makes you laugh while I'm doing my thing, head over to kl-fi.com slash dead and just follow us. When you follow us, you get to know when we record and Aiden will be with you in the chat while I'm trying to do my thing. And do I'm not looking, I'm not looking at the thing, but <laughs> you get to know when we record. You can get knowledge of the existence of unedited episode recordings and unedited interview recordings, like with Bailey Gavilik, who played Annie on Fear the Walking Dead, a, a, an interview I haven't even begun to start editing <laughs> eventually one day. But you can get that now if you want to. It's there, streamable on an unlisted YouTube video. It's all yours. But just follow us. This way you'll know when things happen. You could join, and then, hey, if you want to join in, you can dip your toe in the water by tipping us and getting 30 days of supported back content. Or for as little as a dollar, you can join one of our membership tiers, of which includes Discord access. You could just join the conversation and be part of the gaggling freaks that love to talk about these episodes along with us. And with that, everybody, I've been your host, David Cameo. I was joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, and Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardener, with Aiden. Aiden the Raven on Twitter in the chat. Take care, everybody. See you next week. I didn't hate this episode, contrary to what I said in the beginning. It's very interesting, made me very uncomfortable, and that says a lot about this episode and this show, actually, the season thus far. Pretty uncomfortable, but I'm liking it. Take care, everybody. See you next week. Have a good one. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. The third episode of the Fear the Walking Dead 7th season titled Cindy Hawkins. This episode has been brought to you by our Survivors tier members, Jasmine.iac on Instagram, Jones 71 on Instagram, and WhispersUK on Instagram. Those lovely sons of bitches that get to host with us whenever the episode is in their time zone or is convenient for them. Because that's their perk. The Survivors tier members' defining perk is the ability to host along with us during our episode breakdowns. But let's not forget our lovely, lovely Whispers tier members. Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram. Judith.Morton on Instagram. Tyler Philip Cox on Instagram and Twitter, aka Let's Talk About the Dead, that YouTube channel, and let's not forget Linda Peck Athens, ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy, uh, and you can find her everywhere as well, at fanartlindy underscore, wait, <laughs> at fanart underscore lindy, right? Yeah, anyway, you know, I've said her name enough that you, you will definitely be able to find her. Her work on that last uh, Victor Strand colored pencil is just magnificent i if you love fear the walking dead and you've watched it since the beginning and you're loving this season thus far you are going to want that print and i have yet to order it but i will be after i finish with this recording 
thank you so much for for enjoying this episode for making it so you can listen to this part of the the audio podcast if you like what you heard obviously you can head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead and tell the world what they need to know about this podcast but moreover use it as a way of saying what we got right what you like in particular what we got wrong what you hated in particular but tell us after every episode tell the world ever after every episode it really really does help and as always i mentioned a lot about coffee memberships or Kofi memberships uh survivors tier members and whispers tier members and walker tier members but to get the skinny on that head over to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead and just follow us there create an account and follow us so you know when we record so you know when the unedited episode recordings drop and so you know when we have a upcoming interview that you can attend ask questions of the guest be it bailey gabaluk who played annie on fear the walking dead mo collins jenna elfman those are the ones we've had lately uh, alexa nicenson uh that was the audience member participation was really really fun and the ability to get the unedited recordings is priceless uh, but you know, it, your support just helps us. You can join, you can tip us for $3 one time and get 30 days of access to our support back content. Or you can join one of those membership tiers for as little as a dollar a month and get a ton of perks for doing it. But more than anything else, it's not about the money. It's really about being a beacon, sending a message to us and letting us know that we're worth listening to, worth supporting and worth investing in let's put it that way you're investing in uh our voice being amplified so i've been your host david cameo to the, today's episode was with cosmom09 rachel burt and sharendy aka blazy gardner take care everybody we'll see you in the next one cannot wait to speak to you soon <laughs>